Good morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Guilherme Almeida, and I'm on staff here at Calvary. We hope that you do feel and help others feel welcome this morning. That's what our service will definitely focus on. Which ways can we be inv innovative, inventive, imaginative with being hospitable, being welcoming? One way that we would like to hear from you is if you would fill out the white cards that are in the pew back of, in front of you. If you are a guest, we would love to hear about you and ways in which we can serve you. If you are a Calvarian, uh, we would love to hear your prayer requests and ways in which we can minister to you. As we worship this morning, as we serve together this morning, I'd like to introduce us to a song that was shared by Sharon Dowd, someone that is uh, familiar, that has been welcomed to this community, that has welcomed others to this community. And the words and music are printed on your worship folder. It goes like this. God welcomes all strangers and friends. God's love is strong, and it never ends. Let's sing it together. God welcomes all, strangers and friends. God's love is strong, and it never ends. We're going to sing one last time. And as we do it, I'd like to welcome you to sing this song as a lullaby as a place and a song of comfort. I don't think we're quite there. As far as truth goes, I'm, I'm interested in the truth. As far as truth goes, these words are not truth in my life yet. So I'd like to welcome you as you sing to welcome that truth into worship, to welcome that truth, God welcomes all strangers and friends, God's love is strong and it never ends into your life and into this moment of worship. Let's sing. God welcomes all
Invitation sent, and all we have to do is come. And as we partake of the meal, open our eyes to those sitting to our right and left, for they too have been invited to the feast. A person who may not be here legally, a neighbor on food stamps, a friend losing his identity, a person who doesn't seem to belong. Help us remember that all are invited because all are loved equally and unconditionally. Thank you for uniting us around the table, and thanks especially for the invitation to dine with you. Let us celebrate this now. Amen. Joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every 
every time I see you, all your goodness shines through. I can feel this God song rising up in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me when I am surrounded. Your love carries me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes from the book of Leviticus. When an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. A reading from the epistle to the Ephesians. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Harold, I am so glad that you are up here sharing with us today. Um, it's been a hard weekend, friends. It's been a hard weekend in our country and in our community, and acts of hatred and violence and racism 
And so I know a lot of us have heavy hearts in this room today. And I know you come up here with a heavy heart as well. Oh, yes, I do. So I appreciate your vulnerability in coming up here and sharing part of your story with us. And there is nowhere I'd rather be today than here with you and with Calvary. So we're starting a new worship series today at Calvary on hospitality. And when we began to think of people who come to mind when we think of hospitality, Harold, you were the very first. Um, I know many of us can attest to that. Walking into church every week, you are one of the first faces we see. You're one of the first smiles to greet us and to hand us a worship folder, which is why there's a worship folder on our table today in honor of you. Um, But when I first asked you to share with us about hospitality, do you remember what you said to me last week? Yes. You know, a lot of people say, Harold, you did this, and Harold, you did that. Well, I did. I haven't done nothing. It's all about God. It's what God have done, you know. And th- and that's an incredible testimony, yeah. and another reason that I think we are drawn to you yeah. because we see God's light shining so brightly in you. Um, I wonder if you could tell us just a bit about your journey with God and, and a significant moment that happened for you a, a few years ago. Well. I come from a single family, got in trouble at an early age, a whole lot with the law, from juvenile on up, ended up going to prison, was in prison for a while. So whilst I was in prison, I got a call to the chaplain's office, and um, when I got there, it was my mother on the phone. They had my mother on the phone, and she was talking to me. She said, baby, you know, mama always took care of you. She's going to leave you in somebody's hand that uh going to take care of you. So while she was talking to me, she died right there. And, uh, now, I got to tell you, at this time, I didn't believe it was a God. I thought I was my God. You know, uh, different people used to try to tell me about the Bible. I used to tear the Bible up, you know. Wow. And, uh, so I came up out of the chapel's office that day. And I just stood there. I was like, God, I don't know about this thing, you know. And it was the first time I just really just prayed. And as I, as I prayed, later on, I would just do this much. I would just do a fraction. God would do more in my life. So I finally got out of prison. And I was walking down the street here on 18th. I didn't know what church to go to. So I was like, God, what church? Well, he led me to Calvary. And tell us about one of your first moments at Calvary and one of the first people you met here. First person I met was Jim Dugan. He welcomed me through the door with a smile and a handshake like I'd just been here for the rest of my, all my life, you know. You know. I know Jim was a really good friend to you, and you yes. were a good friend to Jim. And over time, your, your family in this place expanded. Can you tell us more about some of the relationships that you were able to form? Oh, yes. Well, first thing I got to take you out of the back a little bit. Uh, whilst I was in prison, God gave me a mentor. Yes. Uh, name was Morgan. And I had a kind of a bad mouth. Every word used to come out of my mouth used to be a push. It was a bad word. Well... I had to do 50 push-ups for every bad word. I got stronger and my language got better. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so 
Then when I got out of prison, he gave me Jim as a mentor. And when Jim passed away, he gave me Jan and Tom Purdy as a mentor. So as I look back at my life, God always gave me somebody to show me the way. And Harold, I fully believe that that was reciprocal, that, that God gave us you and that God gave those people you for a specific season of their life as well. Um, can you talk about a way that you have received hospitality in this place at Calvary? Yes. About a year ago, my parole officer chose that I couldn't come to church. And I couldn't come. Well, the church came to me. You know, it was like every Sunday, they would stop doing whatever they doing and was coming to my house. And I know what a family is, a church family is, you know. Would you be willing to raise your hand if you were able to do that and to, to visit Harold? I would just love to see hands all over this room. And Harold, you extended hospitality to all of us and welcomed us into your home each week and prayed with us and shared breakfast and meals and Bible study. And that was such a rich time that I would think all of us look back on um, and just appreciate so much. What about what are ways that you have been able to show hospitality and to show God's love in this place? Um, just being at the door, you know, greeting folks, meeting peoples. Uh, one Sunday, a lady told me, she was like, you know, I can open the door by myself, but that smile, you know, it just, it just made, a, it made my day, you know. Well, I will say that smile makes my day every Sunday morning when I get here, and, and I think it makes all of our days. Um, Harold, I am so grateful to call you a brother in Christ and so glad that God led you to Calvary a few years ago and that you are part of our Calvary family. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank y'all. Amen. Come to the feast of heaven and earth. Come to the table of plenty. God will provide all that we need here at the table of plenty. Oh, come and sit at my table with saints and sinners of friends. I wait to welcome the lost and lonely to share the cup of my life. Table of plenty, God 
will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty. My bread will ever sustain you through days of sorrow and woe. My wine will flow like a sea of gladness to flood the depths of your soul. Come to the feast of heaven and earth. Come to the table of plenty. God will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty. Your fields will flower in fullness. Your homes will flourish in peace. For I, the giver of home and harvest, will send my rain on the soil. Come to the feast of heaven and earth. Come to the table of plenty. God will provide for all that we need. Here at the table of plenty. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My former college president, Dr. Bill Crouch, was visiting Waco recently. And over dinner with me, he told me the story of why he and his wife joined their church in Raleigh, North Carolina. On their very first Sunday to visit, he said, an usher came up to him near the beginning of the service and said, Sir, in a few minutes, I'm going to bring in a VIP guest who will be joining us for worship today. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to seat him next to you because I thought you might be able to make sure he feels welcome here today. Well, Dr. Crouch said, of course, I would, I would be happy to welcome the VIP. And he and his wife immediately began to whisper to each other about who it might be, maybe a governor or a senator or some high up elected official, maybe a celebrity or movie star who happened to be in Raleigh for the weekend. Imagine his surprise when the usher came back a few minutes later with the VIP guest, a man who appeared to be homeless, and seated him next to Dr. Crouch and his wife so that they could make sure he was warmly welcomed in church that day. This act of radical hospitality made such an impression on the Crouches that they joined the church the very next Sunday. Friends, no matter where you came from this morning, where you are sleeping tonight, what degrees you have or don't have, what you're wearing, what your job is, or even if you have a job, I want you to know that you are a VIP. And it's not because of anything you have done, and it's not because of anything you haven't done. 
It's not because of anything special about Calvary. We don't have a VIP program here that you can apply for, and even if we did, everyone would be in it. You are a VIP, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, because what Christ has already done for you. We are beginning a new series on hospitality today at Calvary. And when I first started thinking about hospitality, the story from Dr. Crouch immediately came to my mind. But the truth is that there are lots of beautiful stories that I could tell about hospitality, like the ones that Harold shared with us this morning. I've witnessed and experienced such incredible hospitality here at Calvary. And I hope we get to share some of those stories together in the coming weeks. Because in many ways, I think hospitality is one of our strengths at Calvary. I've been meeting with a lot of visitors lately, and I'm always grateful to hear stories of how you have felt welcome in this place on Sunday mornings. I'm glad to hear that, that so many people talked to you on Sunday mornings, or, or that people remembered your name as you came back the next week that people warmly welcomed you and cared for your children. One person even told me last week, as a person of color, Calvary is the first church I have been a part of where I have truly felt welcome. And I thank God for that. But I also think that there is always room for us to grow in this area of our life together. And in a sense to take hospitality to the next level to go beyond that Sunday morning greeting, to create a culture of enthusiastically reaching out to our neighbors and coworkers and friends and even to people we don't even know and inviting them to join us and to be part of what God is doing in this place. And not only to invite people into our church, but into our homes. And perhaps even riskier, to invite people into our lives to look outside of our groups and to notice who doesn't have a place, to widen our circles, to lengthen our tables, and to wholeheartedly invite people in. But to take hospitality to the next level, I think we need to look more closely at what this word actually means in our Bible. Because biblical hospitality isn't necessarily about showing kindness to our best friends, is it? The Greek word that is often translated into the English word for hospitality, philoxenia, is actually a combination of, of two words. The first word, philo, is one of several words in Greek for love. And because Greek is this more precise language than English, there are several different ways to express love. So in this case, it, it means brotherly love, to love like a brother or sister or someone in your own family. That's where we get the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The second word in hospitality, xenia, actually means stranger or immigrant. Sometimes it's even interpreted to mean enemy. That's where we get the word xenophobia, which is the fear of strangers and immigrants. And so when you put these two words together, Biblical hospitality isn't limited to entertaining guests, as we often understand it to mean in English. Rather, this original word means to love strangers as if they are part of our own family. And friends, that significantly changes 
our understanding of hospitality, doesn't it? But I think before we can even begin to talk about our call to extend hospitality, perhaps a better starting point for us is to begin with the hospitality that has already been shown to each of us. There's this great story about C.S. Lewis wandering into a meeting where a group of theologians was debating how Christianity differed from other world religions. And someone said, oh, well, is it the doctrine of incarnation that makes us unique? No, some argued because they found stories of gods appearing in human form in other religions, though maybe not the precise form as the gospel. And then someone else said, well, maybe, maybe it's the doctrine of, of resurrection. No, argued others, there are still stories in other religions of people rising from the dead, maybe not in the same way as we read in the gospel. And so eventually C.S. Lewis wandered into the room and asked what the big debate was all about. When they told him that they were discussing Christianity's uniqueness in the world's religions, he said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. Friends, if we are going to explore the hospitality that has been shown to us, it starts with grace. Our text for today from Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. I love how Frederick Buechner describes grace. He says, after centuries of handling and mishandling, most of our religious words have become so shopworn that nobody is really interested in them anymore. But that's not so with grace for some reason. Grace is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There's only one catch, he says, like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. And maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. Friends, it is by grace that we are saved. And as today's text reminds us, this grace comes to us through Christ. Just notice how many times we hear the repetition of in Christ or with Christ. Verse 5, God made us alive with Christ. Verse 6, God raises us up with Christ, seated us in heavenly realms in Christ. Verse 7, his kindness is expressed to us in Christ. Verse 9, we are his workmanship created in Christ. One commentator noticed that the language here is so rich of these verbs that use the prefix with or in that the author is actually using verbs that we don't find anywhere else in the Greek literature or Christian writings. The writer so strongly wanted to communicate that none of this happens without Christ 
that he started making up his own verbs in order to get his point across. God's grace saves sinners like me and like you, and as today's text emphatically reminds us, grace comes to us in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. And if we keep reading, we are also reminded that we received grace through Christ even when we were strangers, even when we were complete outsiders. Going on in verse 12, we read, Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And skipping down to verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and members of the households of God. Friends, you and I can't even begin to possibly understand hospitality until we understand this. That even when we were strangers, even when we were a long way off, like the children reminded us in the parable of the prodigal son last week, Christ extended this ultimate hospitality to each and every one of us when he embraced us and welcomed us home. At staff retreat this weekend, we we used the book Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen to guide some of our time together. And the reason they wrote the book was because a friend asked him to write a book explaining the spiritual life in terms that he could really understand, avoiding technical or overly theological language. And this was Nowen's answer to him, which became the premise for the book. He said, all I want to say to you is that you are the beloved. All I hope is that you can hear these words as spoken to you with all the tenderness and force that love can hold. My only desire is to make these words reverberate in every corner of your being. The greatest gift I can give to you is the gift of your belovedness. But I can give that gift only in so far as I have claimed it for myself. And in the pages that follow, he explains the ways in which we create beloved community with one another only when we accept the grace of being God's beloved ourselves. Friends, we love only because we have embraced and accepted that we are beloved children of God. And we enter into messy places with one another only because God entered into the mess of our world and the mess of our lives, and he calls us to do the same. We extend hospitality only because of the radical hospitality that has already been extended to us through Christ. That even when we were strangers, even when we were a long way off, God graciously opened his arms and welcomed us home. I know that lots of hearts are heavy today in this room over the events that have taken place in Charlottesville, Virginia over the course of our weekend. The videos of white supremacists and white nationalists marching and chanting with flags and tiki torches makes me sick 
to my very core. And I, as a pastor, and we, as a community of faith, must speak out. We cannot be silent. This is evil, and it is sin. But we know that the racism that we saw on TV this weekend isn't just in Virginia. I know we know that. It's here in Waco, and and in subconscious and conscious ways alike, racism is here within us. You may have read in the Waco Trib that one of our sister churches, Willow Grove Baptist Church, a predominantly African-American church near Spiegelville, experienced hateful vandalism this weekend as well. Their church was founded in 1871 by two men who were former slaves, A.J. Crawford and Buck Manning. And amidst the vandalism that was done by those who broke in and ransacked the church office was this graffiti bearing Nazi symbolism scribbled in mustard and ketchup along the fellowship hall floor. Pastor Kenneth McNeil invites all of us to join Willow Grove for a community prayer service today. And I know several within our church are going to be there. Tim Randolph, Emmett and Kristen Drumgool, Jessica Roseberry, and Kay Dunlap have told me that they will be there. And and we would love for anyone else from Calvary who is able to join them. And I'm going to visit with the coordinating council today to see how Calvary might make a financial donation to help with their recovery efforts as well. I grieve with this beloved church in our community. I grieve with the people we love who now feel even more fear and trepidation because of these horrific events. I grieve when I see videos of people chanting such unimaginable hate. And I grieve for those who are in such a dark place that they would do something so blatantly hurtful. And I hope and I pray that our grief will stir us to action. I hope that you and I will be bold enough to stand in the tradition of the prophets and to cry out against injustice in Waco and Charlottesville and so many places in between. And I hope we as Calvary will be a community that continually points people toward the love of a God who has no preference for skin tone, but relentlessly pursues each and every person as a beloved child of God. I wept at my computer last night when I read Pastor McNeil's response to his own church's grief. In his final words in the Waco trip, he said this, We are determined not to allow fear and hate to win. And so we keep going and keep loving and keep offering that forgiveness and that hope that people are looking for. Even to complete strangers. Even to people who could be considered enemies. This beautiful church is extending forgiveness and hope and love. Friends, I can't think of a more beautiful picture of hospitality than that. This kind of hospitality is inconceivable. It is completely undeserved, and I can't even begin to wrap my heart and my brain and my soul around it. And yet that's exactly what grace is, isn't it? 
Pastor McNeil's words reminded me of Martin Luther King Jr.'s words. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And so in the midst of the hate and racism that cowardly marches around us with tiki torches in our world today, our call to shine with the light of Christ is greater than it ever has been before. And this invitation to extend radical hospitality and to love the stranger in our midst is before us all. The question is, how will you and I respond? And so, Lord, I boldly ask that you would make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us so love where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. May these things be true of us. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today and you've heard about this radical hospitality and grace that Jesus has extended to all of us. And you realize that just like Frederick Buechner said, you haven't reached out to take it. And so if you would like to talk with one of our ministers about what it means to respond to that love and to follow Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary today. Or maybe you are ready to be part of this community of faith at Calvary. As you can tell, we we are not afraid to talk about real issues. We're real people trying to love and follow Jesus in the most honest and authentic ways that we know how. And we would love to welcome you wholeheartedly into our family today. Or maybe you're here this morning and your heart is heavy for Charlottesville, for Willow Grove Baptist Church, and for other places and people, and you want to come to the altar and to pray, or come to the back of the sanctuary and pray with a minister. However God leads you to respond, we will be in the back of the sanctuary, and the altar is open as we continue in worship. Great 
sacred practice for all who have faith in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Through communion, we give thanks, we receive grace, and we remember Jesus' sacrificial death for us on the cross. 
this table meets you where you are today with open arms. Around this table, we are not strangers. We are one body of believers. All are welcome. This table is considerably bigger than we think. It's not our table, it's Christ's table. Here, human classifications fall apart when we consider the truth that we are all beloved children of God. We'll be coming to different stations around the sanctuary for the Lord's Supper today. You'll receive a piece of bread and are invited to dip it into the cup. If you'd like to receive communion at your seat, just raise your hand and a deacon will be glad to bring that to you. Children who haven't yet made a profession of faith in Christ are invited to come to the front to receive a blessing. Let's remember how on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and then he broke it, saying to his disciples, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The way of Christ is peace. The method of Christ is love. The means of Christ is invitation. The way of Christ is the way we should follow. Let's eat together at the welcome table. Come.
I would like to invite Lauren Everick up to the front with us. Lauren has been serving as our children's and youth intern this summer. She's helped with children's Bible club and music camp. She's taught Sunday school and helped an extended session. She's also helped paint a wall in the youth room and helping to coordinate things for the upcoming Aloha weekend. She has done a fabulous job and we are so thankful to you, Lauren. Thank you so much for the ministry that you have done. And then one more quick announcement. Um, next weekend is promotion Sunday. Um, you know, school starts maybe Thursday or Monday for some of y'all. Um, so we are going to do something new and unique. We're going to do a blessing of backpacks. So we're asking for children and youth and anyone else who would like to bring a backpack or a briefcase to bring those next Sunday. And um, we will bless them in worship and um, have time to write notes um, and put in backpacks from West Avenue and backpacks of our own children and youth at Calvary. Um, so please bring your children's backpack or youth, bring your backpacks and label it with like a piece of duct tape or something um, with their name on it so that people can write them notes and encourage them as they begin school. Awesome. We are looking forward to a great Sunday next week. Would you stand and join us in the benediction? Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Amen.